Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome to another instalment to our debut Spotlight series, where we shine a light on the freshest authors and their work. Today, the spotlight shines on the incredible debut novel, I Will Greet the Sun Again. We join three young brothers as they leave Los Angeles in the dead of night for Iran, taken by their father from their mother to a country they barely recognise. They return to the valley months later, spit back into American life and changed in ways they can't describe. Our protagonist, the youngest brother, begins to piece together a childhood shattered by his father's violence, his sexual identity and his ever-changing status as a Muslim in America. This novel is an unforgettable portrait of a family being torn apart and a boy emerging from the ashes. Mishaya J. Kabushani is a writer based in San Francisco. Born in California in 1992, he then spent his childhood in Iran before being raised in the US. He studied philosophy at California State University and worked as a middle school teacher before graduating from the MFA Creative Writing Programme at Columbia University. His debut novel, I Will Greet the Sun Again, is out on the 3rd of August and it is one of the most beautiful novels we've ever had the pleasure of reading. And we are so excited to have Kashaya joining us today. So welcome to A Pair of Bookends. Thank you for your sweet words. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> it's so nice it's to great. have you. <laughs> we will tell the bookends that we had we had slight issues trying to get Kashaya on the podcast. <laughs> and we are extremely happy now that we've been able to pin him down and get him on. So our first question to all our authors is, what are you currently reading? Oh, wow. 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 Great <laughs> question. I, uh, the reason that I'm such, I have, uh, and, and maybe other people can relate to this, but I am always, I find reading several things that I have, I have my stack of books here right, right next to me. So I'm, I'm looking through that right now. And I love reading through poetry collections, uh, as well as, as well as novels and, and, and nonfiction. I mean, I think like, the rest of the rest of us, I'm a big fan of Kayla Azu and Nelson's, and so I think I just need to say Small Worlds, although that was something I read in recent and not not currently currently reading, but just had to mention that. And I believe it was nominated for the or won the Pulitzer this last time, but uh, the poet Carl Phillips had a collection and selected poems released called Then the War. And that's what I'm reading. Savage Tongues by Azarine van der Vliet Alumi, Chain Gang All-Stars. I'm reading Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingslover. The Demon uh, Copperhead is interesting because I growing up didn't, and I need to I need to get to Charles Dickens, but I didn't read Charles Dickens, so it's nice to kind of read a book that I believe is sort of pulls its inspiration for that and the, the last two I'll say uh the golden notebook by Doris Lessing and in a recent interview I came out I came out real hot and said I I'm convinced Middlemarch by George Eliot is like the best novel ever written and I, oh wow I, the sentences in that book I mean, what a writer it's extraordinary <laughs> it's so decadent it's so decadent so that's that's what's occupying me at the moment wow now usually we get like maybe two Three books. That is a full-on stack. Amazing. <laughs> stack. <laughs> and you do all of these at once? You dip in and out? Yeah, I dip in and out, you know, because, of course, like, you know, the, the books I mentioned, you know, tone is different. The the, the time period is written in. The writers, the identities that they operate under. Like, I just need to fill 
different buckets within myself, I think. And, and so I turned to writers for that. Mm. And maybe it's, uh, I don't know, sometimes I feel a little silly about it. I, I know it's maybe more proper to sit, start something, finish it before, before moving on, but I'm too needy. I'm too needy. I think I, I, <laughs> I, I'm not able to just stick to one person or, or one book. I need more than that. Oh, who cares about that? proper? Nobody cares about proper. Like, break the rules. Let's do it. <laughs> I have a massive, massive amounts of respect for that. Like, that is mm-hmm. incredible. Like, my brain just, I don't think my brain could take on so many different things at once. I think my brain would probably shut shut down at, like, the third, the third book. <laughs> <laughs> but being able to do all of that and, yeah, I just love the idea of filling the different buckets within yourself. That's a gorgeous way of putting it. Um, you know, it's like a little kid who uh, is choosing. You know, you you're like starting primary school, and you're like, and you you're you're sort of meeting friends, and you're like, oh, that person's so cool, and we do this together, blah blah blah. And then and then somebody else comes, you're like, oh my god, but I like the, I like their style too, and I want to hang out with them, and and so that's kind of. I every time I open up a book, I, I was just amazed that we get to experiences i'm so grateful for writers that they sit down and and they do this stuff yeah so i i I just love getting to be a part of it yeah i mean it depresses me all the time thinking about the fact (laughs) that i'm never going to be able to read all of the books on on this (laughs) it makes me so sad (laughs) so as this is part of our debut spotlight series we like to start off by asking our debut authors about their experiences and having their debut novel published but I feel like you've got quite a unique experience and please correct me if I'm wrong but I believe that I Will Greet the Sun Again was acquired in a seven-way seven-figure auction in the US which I wouldn't say is a very common welcome for debut authors. <laughs> I would say that's pretty outstanding. And cool. I wish seven figure. That would have been that would have been love. I, I think my studio apartment would be much bigger uh, <laughs> if it was seven figure. So it was. Uh, there were several editors involved, but uh, it was it wasn't seven figure. But I I think we can we could just pretend. Yeah, that was that was I have definitely like written that down straight from an article so someone someone somewhere has definitely written that in an article <laughs> I have written this down word for word because my mind was blown I was like what <laughs> seven figures you like, know what? That shit. it wasn't worth seven figures <laughs> I love if, that. I, if I had it, if I had seven figures, I'd have given it to you. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm a poor actor, so that doesn't happen. We cannot do that. <laughs> um, but it was still there was still clearly competition for this novel. So, what was that experience like? You know what it is. It's like you know, it's it, you go into this, and 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 my agent was really, I think, prepared me. For it in the sense that he and I had had worked on getting the manuscript ready for submission, and I, and I still remember this was back sort of been in 2020, and I and I still remember it like it was yesterday, which is like once we once we felt it was ready to go out into submission, you know, of course had the best hopes for it, but I I remember very specifically him telling me like we just you know we there's no guarantees you know people are are submitting manuscripts every day loads and loads of them and obviously that also would have been like right right a few months following shutdown and and there was mm-hmm. you know the uncertainties of, of that on top of everything else and so to answer your question like when editors 
had shown interest and, and wanted to chat with me, I, I was just thrilled that it became evident that the book would be taken on and and then and then one day published so so it was, it was less about like oh this is this is hot shit and and, and you know this, <laughs> there's this kind of like you know competition behind editors I, I i just i was in awe and i and i and i couldn't believe i had the chance to talk with really bright and astute editors about about the book and then and then to have you know to go from will it be published to oh my god i I can choose now uh, who I feel I want to work with. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I'm glad you asked that. I need to remind my, you know, you go through revision, you go, you go, there's publication processes can be, have so many stages. So one forgets about those early stages, but it's, I think I need to remember, I need to remind myself about, about how exciting that was and, and how, how grateful I felt. Yeah. Mm. I imagine it's the, the sort of wave of press that you have to do as the book's coming out it can be quite intense and I think it's totally fair to say that it is intense but I just think yeah that is incredibly cool and I'm I'm not even vaguely surprised that a lot of people wanted to get their hands on this because we absolutely adored it and we don't say that lightly like we genuinely love this book so much and we messaged about it all the time whilst reading it because we were like this is just so good and I you know what I knew I as you mentioned Caleb was in Nelson before like I adore him and his work and I knew when I saw his name on the back and the way he was singing praises of this book, I was like, okay, I know this is going to be good. But then to experience it for myself, I was like, wow, it was just completely blown away. So thanks mm-hmm. for writing it. <laughs> so I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I, I um, you know, it, it as as y'all introduced it, you know, it's it's uh, it deals with you know some some big themes, and, and I think as I kind of look at the book now and I, I kind of marvel you know one there is there is the desire to write about these big themes but to then write it uh, right the right within those themes from a young person's perspective you know and to have him follow to follow him over I, I guess God would be like you know about 10 years or, or more than 10 years but it, but it's also not a it's not a massive book and so we're you know I yeah, I just, I, I admire the kind of, and then on top of all that, I also, the way I, when I read through the book, I feel it's also very quiet. It's a very quiet mm-hmm. book, which which may sound strange considering the big themes that are at play. So anyway, it just, it just means a lot to me because it, it feels from my, from my end that I, I guess I, tr- I tried to do something so specific and, and hopefully, you know, singular and and I know that when you do that, it, it's not necessarily going to land with, with a lot of people or, you know, so it's just, it's nice to hear that, that it resonated for you all. Absolutely. And I think, I think a lot, it's going to land with a lot more people than you realise because there's so much to identify with. And, you know, talking about, you know, the age of the characters and stuff, you have said that youth never, never really quite leaves us. And that feels like the essence of this book in a way. So in ways it is a coming of age story because we do watch someone go from a very young age into the adolescence a little bit later. But so much of the protagonist's youth just remains throughout the book, his, his youthfulness. What did you want to explore by having the novel set during this really like crucial time in a young boy's life? 
Yeah, I, you know, the, you know, childhood and, and, and teenagehood and, and adolescence, I think universally, maybe even so, people would agree that it's a very, like, regardless of what identity, ethnic background, like, what, where you're growing up, like, race, class, you know, I think the thing that weaves all of us together when it comes to youth is that it's it's going to be a chaotic time, regardless <laughs> yes. you could be living you know, in the nicest, you know, New York City brownstone, you know, replete with wealth. If you're a 13 year old, you're you're a 13 year old and you're, you're going to be going through it. Now, of course, the, the day to day, the the quality of it, all those things are going to differ depending on other factors. But I so there's that, which is just youth being what it is. And and I think, you know, I really relate to the protagonist, to, to Kay, to the narrator, in the sense that there were a lot of, not just a lot, it seems that when I when I look at my personal early life, it's not just that there was like a rupture or a few ruptures, it just feels like for years there were all kinds of, you know, horrifying things happening, and, and yet also a lot of, a lot of, a lot of beautiful things. Um, mm. The people I grew up around, the basketball I got to play, the, the friends, the crushes, the you know, all of those things that if one is fortunate, they get to have. So I couldn't really make sense of how those very two, like stark things could exist under, you know, within one one person. And I I wanted to write about that in a way to uh, to honor it and to say like and and I think last thing I'll say about this is like to let myself know that it was as real i think when when somebody goes through any kind of trauma and especially if it's when you're like young like i was four when when my brother and i were taken to iraq you know you grow up and you think like that shit really happened and and especially mm-hmm. if you're in a family that doesn't talk about it or you know god forbid like denies it i think then getting to write about it or create art in any way about it is like you're telling yourself like now that that shit happened. It, it was real, and and therefore I'm I'm real. You know what I'm feeling is real. You know all of that. Absolutely, and there's that. I, I think there's a certain kind of intensity to when you are a teenager or in your adolescence. There's an intensity to the the way that you respond and feel things that I think is a bit different to the way that you would feel it in adulthood. Sometimes we can logic things away. Sometimes we can reason with ourselves. You know, we we can follow signposts to something that may help. But when you are, like you said, when you are like 13, 14, you know, you just feel it and you feel it as the most intense thing that's ever happened to you, regardless of whether that's a positive or a negative thing that has happened. You're going to feel it really strongly. And I think that that's so evident in the book, this kind of like everything that happens is just so vivid and you capture to that really well you know there's like a as you're as you're sharing that it, it reminds me and i and i totally agree which is like as you get older and when you are like let's even take the the horror of like the pandemic and and what we experience and when you are going through as as an adult and you talk to others about it there's this kind of at least in my experience there's this like as shocking as the event may be or, or circumstances may be there's an understanding that's like well kind of welcome to welcome to welcome to mm. life these are the kinds of things yeah. that unfortunately happen. We then have to cope with it. And and as you said, there are like resources, there are supports, like we, we'll get through this. Conversely, with youth, there's this, I don't want to call it entitlement, but there's this fierceness of like, no, this isn't, this isn't what we signed up for. As though like there was some kind of pact, you know. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> oh. I just remember with like my friends, 
there was this kind of deep personal ambition to reject what was happening to us and to fight against it and to reject it to your point because we were feeling it so intensely and perhaps it was something we were feeling for the first time that as you said as you get older that kind of like this shouldn't be happening mentality you know kind of fades away and you you learn to you know integrate the experience in in other ways i look at you know i read some of the chapters in in the novel i'm just like yeah this He's sort of, you know, the narrator is kind of like, not only is he describing these experiences, but there's this kind of tone of like, there's like this subtext when I read it and it's just like, it's fucked up, isn't it? It's like, he's like, yeah. it's like, that's what he's telling us the reader. It's just like, this shouldn't be happening, right? I yeah. To do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to just go a little bit deeper on some of the things that you've just been speaking about. And obviously throughout the, the novel, we see Kay sort of grappling with, his identity in in more ways than one you know we see him grappling with sexuality and with the the conflicting cultures of his Iranian heritage versus being raised in America and you know being a Muslim in a post 9-11 era you know that's lots of things for a young person to have to contend with and it almost feels like the the ground beneath his feet is is quite unsteady at times and I wanted to know what did you want to to capture with the sort of intersecting identities. And I was just thinking about this last night because whether it's like you said, same sex attraction or yeah, being a Muslim, you know, there's also because of the I guess this would have really been sparked in, in the States because of the of the hostage crisis during Carter's administration. So it's like even Iranianness became really problematic, and that would have been '79, if I'm remembering correctly. So, so well before I was I was born. But I I wanted to show this because for you know to enter a world where these things have so many fraught narratives, whereas for a young person, or at least for me, I I was I was somebody that just wanted to act on my desires it's like yeah if 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 my if my dad and my mom are praying that's that's what i want to do if they're saying we should go to the mosque like that's what i want to do if if we're going to celebrate persian new year and everything that comes with that that's what i want to do and i want to invite friends over and i like this boy i want to pursue that like but as as time goes on you learn that like using air quotes like those things aren't okay Mm -hmm. which is obviously it sounds very basic and simple you know the difficulties that come from that but i think I'm even, I'm still surprised, like you said, there are so many intersections or so many different buckets of identities that are at play here. And, and, and also like identity as like a son and a brother and a friend and a neighbor. I think for Kate, I don't think there's like a hierarchy, at least the way I understand him, mm-hmm. of like, this is my sexuality and like that identity is the most important to me. I think he views all of these things with, especially being so young, with great importance and like he just wants to try it on as if it's like drag uh, but then people are, are saying no you know that's that's not allowed so he's like okay well tell me what it is i'll i'll try that and and so you see him sort of weaving in and out of those mm, that's so interesting and i think you know when you're young the smallest things feel so heightened and when i was younger like the the most insignificant things would feel like the the biggest problems in the world whereas for for Kay these are actual like legit things to be like torn over and mm. yeah I just can't imagine having to deal with with that internal conflict and I, I did read that you you spent time 
in Iran as a child yourself. And I wondered if you could tell us what that experience was like for you. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think about it and, and I've been lucky enough to also to also go back. You know, I'm a, I'm a dual citizen. And, and so legally, like I have to, as an Iranian male servant in the Iranian army, now that I'm of age and, and have been of age, but through the, through the Iranian embassy was able to get the sort of window of time to, you know, be like, okay, I'll, I'll come to see, to see family. Um, but then I will, I won't stay out. I'll return. And so that was that was permitted to me. And getting to go back after, yeah, having been there as a as a young boy was was so gratifying and and, and simply just like just fun. Getting to see family and meeting meeting the locals and going out and you know, getting to know this this country where everyone, you know, all of all of my as we say, all of my people come from. The, and and yet I like I reek of Americanness. You know, I'm I'm such an American person. And so the sort of and 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 the locals love as soon as they pick up on on an accent, they just they have so many questions <laughs> and are getting so excited. Um uh, but to to answer your question more directly about being there as a boy, uh, because I was so young, you know, to me it it's just like these images and senses and smells that I now will refer to when remembering the experience, like what my grandfather's home smelled like, what it was like to, or even like, you know, uh, being, being at the airport, being, you know, leaving Los Angeles, arriving to Esfahan. And I mean, God, if the, if the air pollution now is bad, it, it was, it, I just, I just feel like it was, you, you needed like some kind of, you know, eye goggles just to be able to see, you know, <laughs> it's the way I remember it as a, as a kid and I remember being struck even as a as a four-year-old and and being there with my brothers and thinking like a place that as far as the environment and the stimuli the sounds the the crowds the the smells as I described it felt so harsh and yet because of the language and the mores and and the kindness of the people it also felt like home Uh, and I remember being struck by how those two things could exist in the same place absolutely I love I loved reading about his experiences in Iran as a child and you know him him going there and although it wasn't under the nicest of circumstances I'm not going to give any spoilers it was it was just so interesting to read and I also really appreciated the food writing in your mm-hmm. book my mother-in-law and my um, mother-in-law's family are Iranian so it was really cool to like read all about that and it felt like a, a real education for me so yeah thank wow. you <laughs> Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> so moving on to one of the things that I found most fascinating about the book was that it's mainly, it's told from the perspective of Kay, our protagonist. He is surrounded by a lot of men or boys and they're all in their own very unique and, and you know, specific ways, sort of dealing with their own identities, dealing with their own kind of concept of masculinity and what that means to them and what it means to, you know, their sons or their fathers. Why did you want to delve into this kind of looking at identities and particularly the male identity? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it kind of goes back to what we were were speaking just a a few minutes ago about Kay trying on or or sort of expressing versions of of his own identity but i think he's equally sensitive to uh, to to those around him and and as you said to their identities and 
you know, I, I guess I think it would even go beyond, you know, I know I said, I said he's interested. I, I, th- I think it's like even a matter of survival. I think that's mm-hmm. the way he understands, you know, Johnny, who's, who's, who he feels especially close to who in the States, one of the neighbors in the apartment um, building that they live in. And, but as you said, like people he meets on the basketball court or uh, as he's growing up later on when he, when he, when he starts working. And of course, of course, his brothers and the people in Iran, I think he's, I think he's really hungry for any kind of information, even if we as adults know that that information may be problematic or or toxic. I think he's really he's so hungry for it that he's willing to to not only take it in, but then perhaps enact it. Mm. And I I really wanted to honor that, even if it you know at times is is you know leads to some ugly experiences or as I said, is, is problematic. I think, I think for at least the way I understand it, and then this kind of reminds, I was reminded of this when I worked as a, as a teacher and I, and I worked in an environment with students who were very similar to, were having experiences very similar to the ones that I had, but also were parts of communities that were very similar to the ones that I grew up in and seeing them sort of go through that same process. I, I was reminded it's like, yeah, that's, that's a part of, youth as well is Mm. like learning about yourself through others being able to survive uh, that complicated time because of others absolutely and and we see him quite often sort of thinking his way through a conversation and navigating his way through like oh how should I respond to this person because they want me to respond (laughs) this way so I'm you know and he kind of is like a chameleon because he's like I'm gonna Mm -hmm. oh I have to be have to be this person for this person and I have to you know oh I'll be like this for my dad and I'll be like this for my brother who wants me to be tough and you know he's and he's kind of like arranging himself from all of these elements which I find fascinating um but yeah he's definitely a a social chameleon (laughs) yeah I love the way you put that because he yeah you know especially you know some of the conversations the boys are having or 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 you know as they get older and some of the choices they're making as as young men I think there's an instinct where Kay recognizes that what he wants for himself and and really what he wants for them differs but I I think he's not what's the experience like don't throw out the baby with the bathwater like he doesn't want to yeah. discard these people he loves uh, these friends that he loves even if he knows that like the things that they're saying doesn't really sit well with him and as you said he's kind of like thinking his way through like ah you know, that's full, he's full of shit but I still you know I still love him yeah I spend time. yeah I would like to ask a question that is sort of referencing an earlier moment in the book and um, as we are a podcast about books and about readers, I am squeezing in this question. It isn't a random one, Lydia, just so I can see your face. <laughs> it's not a rogue one. She, she does this to me. Every podcast she puts in a secret no, this question. Isn't, this isn't a rogue one. I promise. I promise it's not a rogue one. Um, okay, all right. You you've, got, you've, you've got it. You've got it, I promise. Um, okay, so okay. there's an earlier moment in the book where... Kay's brother, I think Sean, um, encourages him to read a book called Slam. And first of all, he has this this habit that really bugs me where he flicks to like halfway through the book and then reads it and decides if he likes it or not. And I just like, don't, don't know how I feel about that habit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Wasn't best placed. <laughs> we um, love the book, but, but... not that bit. <laughs> 
But with this one, he He's does nine. In... Can we give him some forgiveness? No, <laughs> it's a child, Hannah. But he he returns to the beginning of this book, which is is good. And uh, we also see his older brother Justin later encouraging him to read. Now I don't know how to pronounce this. The title of this book is it Siddhartha or Siddhartha? You know, depending on where you are in the world, I think that's uh, the answer will be. That's I fine. Think the answer will be. All right, we, we say Siddhartha, but I, I like Siddhartha. I like the way you said the first time. That sounds like <laughs> I'm just making it up as I go along. That was more um, like. <laughs> but I would, I would love to know because we're very nosy uh, readers. I would love to know what your own relationship to reading has been like, and whether you had similar encouragement from family members to to get you to read certain books growing up or whether you kind of came to books by yourself if that makes any sense whatsoever <laughs> yeah it makes makes total yeah I, I and I'm I'm glad you asked this because to me I think especially for young people like books can be like obviously it can be books can be presented to to you in very in very different ways but I think one of the ways that they can function is is as especially if we're talking like in the 90s or early 2000s like is as media or entertainment and that it, you know to this day it's funny and, and this kind of speaks to the kind of I guess the you know I was raised by my mom and and the kind of culture that my brothers and I were raised under there wasn't a lot of outside culture coming coming into our our household and so to this very day you know there will be these like really notable you know whether they're animated movies or or classics like whatever it may be you know friends will will say like oh you've of course seen Alice in Wonderland or whatever you know I'm like Alice in who like what you know which is like (laughs) crazy because it's like such a big part Mm. of you know that whether we're talking about book titles or movie titles whatever Mm. it's such a big part of our culture but I think when I look at our experience like you know we're we're American having the American experience and yet it was it was so insulated and and so for me with books it it really took an effort to deliberately seek them out whether it was through librarian at, at school or later on I remember I got my first I remember when I first started working at a, at a bookstore and was just all my paychecks would go towards the books you know that I was reshelving and whatnot um, I feel that. Like, it was just so <laughs> exciting to be around so many books so it, it yeah I, I think that's one of the things that I um I often ask myself if things would have been easier you you hear these writers who even non-writers they talk about like being able to escape into the world of a book and how much comfort that brought them and I wish that was something that I had but it was cool to it was cool to kind of project that onto these characters and give that gift to them. Now Hannah, have you got another question or another rogue no, question? That was that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> I just love books. I just want to talk yeah, about no, books all the time. You're a bookish yeah. girl. You're a bookish girl. I also I work in a bookshop at the moment, and I also spend at least half to maybe three quarters of my paycheck on books <laughs> because it's it's an actual thing. Like you can't sell books without buying them too. Um, <laughs> One aspect of the book that I I really enjoyed was the way you wrote about physicality. This 
is best shown through like the physical relationships of the three brothers I find we see them kind of tussle on a basketball court or we'll see them you know physically fight each other but in the next breath they're like sleeping next to each other in a bed and having this kind of physical space minimized between them adolescence also brings along the uh, more of an awareness of the body and you write this so well can you tell us why you wanted to capture or if you wanted to capture the physical nature of the boys in this book yeah well i'll I'll sort of speak on uh, the brilliant point that you brought up which is that i think before puberty there is maybe less self-consciousness about the body and more it feels at least the way i understand it more organic and natural and perhaps even experimental, whatever that means, like, and not even just in a, I know often, like, we think of that term in a, in a sexual way, but, but like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, even just, like, experimenting with what it means to, you know, play sport or, or sprint and run or hide, or, you know, like, all these, like, just to be in one's body as, you know, before puberty, I think it's such a, a sacred time because it, you haven't really, I mean, certain experiences can teach you shame for sure and, and teach you to, you know, you, you start to feel and start to question. But I think if if you're lucky enough to escape that, like puberty will not let you escape that self-consciousness mm. or that shame or, or feeling like something is wrong. And so I, I think at the beginning, like the, as you said, I you were talking, like I remember there's, there's a scene where Justin, the middle brother and Kay get into a tussle and then Sean, the eldest, is there and, and, and Kay is bloodied up and blah 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 and, and Sean is there to sort of help him and soothe him and I just love the proximity of that it feels so rare for especially two boys mm. to be like face to face for for an older brother to be like using bandage and all these things to help but then there's like it's like you can't be in that moment and avoid some sly comment about like <laughs> bro you're you're ugly you know yeah. like you got, you got you know whatever like and I and I think that really that that speaks to my experiences to exactly what you said how a moment it could be like so tender and so just like oh this is the greatest thing in the world I have an older brother who's looking after me or I've got a friend who's looking after me and then and you know in the moment it's like of course you got to make a comment about you know how somebody (laughs) appears Um, so I I really wanted to kind of speak to that because it felt like very true to those experiences are like you definitely did (laughs) and speaking of tender moments between the brothers which there are many and but there is there is a particular moment in the book that was my favorite and I thought it was a really beautiful moment and it is when the brothers are watching a basketball game and um they see the winning moment between Kobe and Shaq and suddenly everything feels possible and exciting and I wanted to ask why do you think that this moment in particular has such a profound impact on the brothers I'm so glad you brought that up because (laughs) I I you know it's for it's when I when I when I look at the brothers relationship that's also and what happens between when when they are able to be in one room together that that scene is also my favorite but that's also because, like, I'm crazy about basketball. I you know, played all my life, um, was crazy about Kobe and Shaq growing up. And so I emotionally respond to it for several reasons. But I also know that 
you know, in the liter in a literary sense, maybe that's not going to be the case for everybody. And some people might scratch their heads, and be like, "Yeah, why? Why am I reading this? Why does this fucking matter?" You know. But, but to your point, to your question, like, yeah, to see these two people a part of this team, and, and you know, are close enough in age to be peers, but are also, you know, you know, Shaq himself often referred to himself as Kobe's big brother, and you know. This was all. These were all like narratives that, as a fan and 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 as just somebody that watched basketball, like you were you were receiving, and you know, anytime there was a controversy or you know, uh, Kobe's being arrogant, he's a, he's a ball hog, blah 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 blah, you know, and then and and then in that in that game to see them not only win. I mean, this is so embarrassing. It's like I'm getting emotional <laughs> thinking about it, which no, is like, so embarrassing. It's like we're talking about basketball. But, yeah, um, I love that though. You know, he like jumps into Shaq's arms, you know, and 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 to your question earlier about closeness with brothers, I think for them it was like, oh, you know, we yeah. fight, we've been through these horrible things together. Well, we, well, we've been through them together, but really, we it's made us as you know, it's turned us into individuals, and then yet we're sitting and we're watching an example of like that you can come together. So there's that intimacy of that, and then I think also broadcasting and especially any LA team is going to do a great job of making it like look really colorful and glamorous and like you've got mm. Jack Nicholson on the sidelines cheering them on and all these <laughs> Hollywood actors and so I think there was also that part where Kay is convinced he can have he can he can have all that I, I love it the pacing of that scene was just so well written <clears throat> I am um, I, I really really enjoyed yeah, that, that moment is just so, it's so beautiful. It really is. It is. And also, it's not embarrassing to cry over basketball no. when me and Hannah cry over literally, like, the stupidest things. But also <laughs> over any sad book we read, we're like, oh, it's so good. Like, this one was another tearjerker. We're like, oh, so good. So, you know, if we're not embarrassed, you don't have to be. <laughs> Finally, I just wanted to quickly chat about the one woman in the book who really struck me. And that, and I mean, she, she just shone through the entire time. But um, that is Maman, who is Kay's mother and the boy's mother. Her connection with the younger brother, with Kay, is beautiful and there is one moment between them that broke my heart and I won't talk about it but I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about she's so strong she's complex she's loving she's beautiful she's flawed she's just fantastic does she have an inspiration where did she come from because she is wonderful <laughs> I think I'm gonna be uh yeah I think I'm gonna be just like quieted and and inspired and and intrigued by yeah by by my mom for the rest of my life and and so there are you know it was a big I think rather than like physical characteristics or I don't know I I don't I don't see my mom in this book as like um as a sketch of my mother from from my life but I what I do see is the emotion that I felt in proximity of her you know growing up is so, something that uh, somebody that um did everything in her power to give to provide for for my brothers and I and yet similar to my mom in, in the novel has her capacities and I think for maybe all children but I, I'll speak to myself like especially as a sensitive 
queer boy, language, I think, was the most important thing that I, I needed, the, the comfort of words. And it wasn't something that my mother was able to provide for different reasons. And so I really, I think when I was writing Maman's character in the novel, that was kind of the place that I was coming from was, okay, here's a person that might be emotionally removed or or, or there might even be quite a bit of, of silence. But I, I really wanted to give that silence texture and to understand it rather than it just be like, Maman's unavailable. She's a ghost-like figure. She's got her past of, of trauma. She's dealing with a lot, and that's that. But I, it was, it's easy to fall into that. But I, I wanted to, I don't know, give her some more dignity than that. Even if she's not able to give Kay what she, what he wants, there's still. I think that's what I admire so much about their relationship in the book, and also what I admire so much about. I was, can you believe this? Just last night, I was, I was thinking about this, and I was making, I was like, it got me to cry because I, the the memory I had was was being in the apartment, and you know, my mom was like always working crazy shifts at the hospital as a nurse, and then like would come home, get a little bit of sleep, go back to work, and I had this memory of like my way of connecting with her or or showing my need or want to connect was by was by doing the dishes i could really wash the dishes really well and i just had this memory of like standing at the sink and washing the dishes and her being asleep on the sofa and i was feeling emotional about like uh having this desire to want to just talk to this woman who felt you know somebody i both admired but felt uh, estranged to and yet what's amazing is like there was a lot of storytelling in my head that was happening it was like as though i was describing for somebody what Kay ends up describing in this book but that you know that would have been 20 years ago and i was describing it for for myself and that is just a very long way to say i guess there are even even from like silences and like hardships i guess there are some beautiful things that can come from it because that's where the voice of this novel came from was from those mm. silences mm. Absolutely. I just love that. I love the fact that you were just doing the dishes for her. Honestly, it's very moving. She was a a beautiful character and I I just know that people are going to go mad for this book. It is just so incredible and just so I I just I'm blown away that it's even a debut. Like I just I don't even understand how how you've managed to produce something so like wonderful at first try so yeah that is Uh, amazing and I yeah I can't wait to see how well this is going to be received because I just know it's it is going to have the most amazing reception I'm predicting it now (laughs) thank you you too I feel like I could talk with you all till till tomorrow it's just so this is so enjoyable thank you for spending such um yeah just dedicated time with it and, and for your questions it's it's so nice to chat with you both oh thank you oh, and um, before we let you go can we just quickly ask what is next for you i uh a lot of the a lot of the questions and and sort of circumstances that are brought up in this first book that happened both in in iran um, but also in the states and and of course like there have been a lot of horrifying things that have been happening to women and, and women's bodies in Iran um, in the last few years. But in a way, it's like, you know, I guess it's in, because of uh, the access we have to social media, we're hearing about it. But having had family there and, and hearing about it from, for, for quite a few, you know, 
few decades now, mm. I also recognize that these are issues that have been going on for a very long time. And I feel a lot of things about about that and um, have been sort of writing about that, those things um, and, uh, and through the eyes of, of Kay, I guess, is, is sort of what it's asking to be. I'm, I'm still not sure how it's going to ultimately take shape, but I won't be shutting up anytime soon so fantastic <laughs> we, d- we don't want to you hear. to shut up <laughs> no, definitely not this has been so lovely i normally ask where our listeners can find you on social media but i've not been able to find you myself so are you not on social media uh, i'm not cool enough for it i wish <laughs> I, I, you're I, so I cool so cool no, I, so yeah yeah you you are correct you were not able to find me because i'm i'm not on social media okay i'm sure i'm sure we'll 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 live and we'll um just you know wait by the internet for the announcement of your next book <laughs> thank you. Um, but thank you so much for your time and i'm so glad that we've managed to finally get you on the podcast yeah. <laughs> we did it we did it we've got the episode we've done it <laughs> um, but thank you so much and to our lovely listeners thank you for listening and if you would like to order yourselves a copy of i will greet the sun again which is an amazing, amazing book. You will find a link to that in the show notes and a list of all of Kashai's recommendations from earlier. And thank you so much once again. And goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, y'all.